0: Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. Whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Usually, I don't like to ask a question in a sermon unless I know the answer. It just keeps me from looking bad. I particularly don't like to ask a question unless I've found the answer. And Unless I believe that answer comes from Scripture, that just seems a good way to make sure I've got the right answer. I try really hard not to be the just-asking-questions guy. You know this guy, right? Don't get me wrong, questions are great. Questions about faith are especially important. If you can't ask real questions about your faith, then you can hardly hope to have any answers when someone asks you real questions about your faith. But as great as questions are, do not believe what your teachers told you. There is such a thing as a dumb question. There are lots of dumb questions out there. You've heard them. Admit it. You might have asked a few. I've asked more than I care to admit Dumb questions are not questions asked out of ignorance. It's always a wise thing to ask about what you do not know. It was not dumb when Jesus said, what are you talking about here on the road? It was not even dumb when the disciples replied and said, have you not heard about all the things that everyone else knows about? What was going on that you missed it? Have you been behind a rock? But there are still some dumb questions and they have a lot less to do with ignorance than indifference you see there are lots of folks who ask questions and then don't actually listen for an answer afterwards and that's just dumb they're just making trouble they're just asking questions and I try really hard not to be that guy when I read today's scripture, I am troubled by a question that I must ask and that I cannot answer. I believe there is an answer, but I can't be the one to answer it for you, and no one else could answer it for you either. And maybe all I can offer you today is a question that you will have to keep asking yourself through the rest of this worship service and through the rest of the day, and you might have to ask yourself this question again and again and again. And I'll have more to say, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Do you recognize the body? Maybe you don't know the answer to that question. Maybe you don't even know how you would know. Maybe you are not even sure what I mean by that question. Maybe your heart is burning within you right now. You would like someone to tell you that you do or you don't really know Jesus, that you do or you don't recognize His body. But I can't give you that answer. I can only give you the question, do you recognize His body? I looked it up, the oldest proverb in the English language is that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And Elton Sinclair once said that it is very difficult to make someone understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. And today the Gospel of Luke says that even if I show you the risen body of Jesus, there is a chance you might not recognize it. Seeing is not always believing. It's not just about what we see. It's about what we recognize. Do you recognize his body? And by the way, if the answer is no, if you do not recognize his body, there is no judgment coming from me today. You're in good company after all. There's a guy named Moses on top of a mountain who saw a bush that was burning and was not consumed and he heard his name coming from that bush and he still didn't put together for a very long time that it was the voice of God speaking to him. He didn't recognize what was going on. There was another guy named Gideon, a warrior among the Israelites. And one day he told a stranger, so if God is really here with us, then how come the Midianites keep whooping us on the battlefield? And it was only afterwards that Gideon realized he had been talking to God. And when he realized that, when he realized what he had not recognized, we're told he fell on his face and he cried out. He said, oh no, oh no, oh no, I have seen the Lord's presence and surely I am going to die. And of course, when he said that, the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So hear me again. No judgment. It can be hard. To recognize the body. I mean, it's all well and good that once upon a time, a preacher named Paul told a church in a place called Corinth that they were the body of Christ. And he said, each of you is a part of it. Then I realized the family resemblance can be kind of hard to see. Last week, I was on the phone with a friend who had been burned by the church that he once loved. And now he's at a new church plant that does everything differently except that it raises some of the same old questions for him. Do I really belong here? Or am I just a pawn in some pastor's vision? Are we being led by the spirit or by the donors? Is this just another church that sounds like a political party at prayer? My friend's heart is burning but he can't recognize the body. Last week, the Gallup survey showed that for the first time in 80 years, a majority of Americans do not belong to any religious body. But here's what's most interesting about that. More than 70% of people still claim a religious identity, claim a Christian identity. And if you ask them, they say they pray about as often as they ever did. But they stay away from churches. They have a hard time recognizing the body of Christ. And I wonder who you blame for that. Maybe you blame yourself when you can't see the body. Maybe you tell yourself, if only I had more faith, I could believe this grand vision. Maybe you blame the world. Say if they just leave us alone and quit attacking us, people could see how good it really is. Maybe you blame the church or you blame God. I don't have the answer. I just know it can be hard to recognize the body. I'm not sure why these two disciples on the road couldn't recognize Christ's body. Luke tells me that Cleopas and his sidekick, we don't know that guy's name, But Luke tells us that they were prevented from recognizing Jesus. They were prevented. By whom? Luke doesn't tell us. Was it God? Does that seem like something God would do? Was it their own self-sabotage? Because that is definitely something that we do. This is why your English teacher used to use red pen all over your papers and talk about the passive voice, is because it doesn't explain anything. Luke says they were prevented. Prevented by whom? When Luke says they were prevented, what he is saying, I don't really know what was going on. And I don't have the answer either. I don't know what the problem was for them, but I know what the problem wasn't. It was not a lack of knowledge. And it was not a lack of passion. The problem was not their knowledge. They had all the facts. They had heard Jesus teach everything that he taught. They had heard the witness from the women. They had heard from the other disciples who saw the empty tomb. They had searched the scriptures. They had learned the scriptures. They had Jesus right there in front of them. They didn't need to know anymore. They had seen enough, and seeing was not believing. And we believe that the Scriptures are sufficient. We have been taught all that we need and given all that we need to be saved. We believe that anything we might add on top of the Scriptures is just incidental, To the story of salvation. We look at the disciples on the road to Emmaus and we say that more knowledge would not have saved them. They had seen enough, and seeing was not believing. They didn't need more knowledge and they didn't need more passion either. They were not lacking in motivation. And I want to be really clear about that. I am grateful that Luke is very clear that these disciples were not lacking in motivation. I'm grateful because it is easy for us to assume that the problem with other people is their motivation, isn't it? Have you ever known the exquisite insult that comes from someone who tells you that you don't want something badly enough? to deserve it or to get it. Let's not blame the disciples here. Motivation was not their problem. They were passionate about Jesus. They were talking about him before he showed up. Their hearts were burning within them. Luke doesn't know what prevented Jesus' disciples from recognizing his body, and I don't know either. If Luke won't tell me, I don't have the answer. But I know it wasn't ignorance, and I know it wasn't indifference. They had plenty of knowledge, and they had plenty of desire. Their hearts burned, but they could not recognize Jesus, even when his body was rubbing shoulders with them, keeping step with them. And this frustrates me, because I want to give you the answer. I want to quote the scripture or give you the one missing fact. I want to say the proper motivating word that will get you fired up to recognize the body. But if we cannot recognize his body, then I cannot help you by giving you more knowledge or desire. I am asking if you recognize his body, but I cannot give you that answer. All I have is this bit of good news. Jesus is not waiting for you to recognize him before he shows up. Jesus won't wait to be recognized before he stands up. He's not sitting in the corner hoping that you'll notice him. But Jesus is alive and he is on the move and he is resurrecting lives and the women are rejoicing and he will not wait for you to figure it out before he jumps out of that grave and hits the road. And if you do not recognize his body, maybe it will be enough sufficient for you to know today that he has already come alongside you. You haven't recognized it yet. You can't say exactly how or where, but it is already true. He is not waiting He is inviting himself into your conversations. He's interrupting every so often with questions that you thought were so basic. And he was patient when you rolled your eyes and said, are you the only one who doesn't get it? He's been there all this time while you were talking about him, thinking about him, wishing for him. He was already there. And he is already here. And if you have not recognized him yet, then I doubt more scriptures will help you see. If you haven't recognized him yet, I bet you don't need me to preach fire when your heart is already burning. You don't need more knowledge and you don't need more passion. But there is still one more thing that may be lacking and even after all this time, today could be the day that opens your eyes. You just might see him in the breaking of the bread. Luke tells us today that Cleopas and his sidekick recognized Christ's body in the breaking of the bread. And Luke also wrote in the book of Acts that the early church came together in this way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And then he concludes by saying that they continued to break bread in their homes and eat together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. On the day of Easter and on the day of Pentecost, the church knew God's favor in the breaking of the bread and it only became more important with time. So much so that when that guy named Paul was writing to that church in Corinth, he would say to them, you are damaging your own souls by the way you come together and fail to recognize the body. When you gather, some of you have the high places of honor and some of you have the low places. Some of you feast and indulge and others of you are left fighting for the crumbs. You create divisions amongst yourself. Do you not know that each of you is a member of the body of Christ and each of you has a part in it? You are tearing it apart because you have not recognized where the body truly is. so I have to ask you again, because this is serious, do you recognize the body? And I'm not asking what happens when we gather on the Sundays where I place my hands over bread and the cup. I'm not asking you how the miracle works. That's a holy mystery. But I'm asking after all the scriptures have been read, and all the arguments have been made, and when the songs and the prayers have stoked the fire in your heart to an absolute furnace, will you dare to believe that your best chance to see Jesus is living in the presence of the person sitting in another chair across another aisle, the one who breaks bread with you? Will you recognize the body? In a couple of weeks, we're going to invite a whole platoon of preteens To come before the church and they'll profess their faith and commit themselves to the fellowship, the teaching, and the prayers of the church. And I wonder what you will see. You might see a rite of passage. A developmental milestone. Or you might recognize the body of Christ. You might see new brothers and sisters with whom God is inviting you to break bread and sing praise and you might believe that they can help you just as you can help them to see each other and through each other see God more clear. The end of the month we'll gather with a church we call our sister church with whom all our arguments are the same. We believe the same things and our passions are the same. But because of how we treat bodies, we have often been separated. We had the chance to come together with Tolmanville Warren and offer the vaccination clinic, a sign of healing and hope to the bodies of the people of our community. We can be one body. We live in a world that wants to deny the body. We live in a world that wants to target us and categorize us based on what we know and how we feel. We live in a world that is hell-bent on giving us the arguments we want to hear, the news we want to hear. We live in a world of technologies that are exquisitely crafted to stir up our emotions and drive our engagement. We are not going to argue our way out of the divisions of this world. And when we inflame our base desires, we are more likely to burn things down than to build them up. But if we will let Him, Christ will reveal Himself in the breaking of bread and drawing together the bodies of those whom He has called His body and the mute and meek act Of bringing his body in contact with ours bringing us alongside other bodies so that we can all receive him he teaches us to recognize his body liver spotted hands follow behind tiny clumsy feet and deep brown laughing eyes look back at sorrowful blue ones and in every act of surrender and fellowship Every time we agree to break bread together with the Spirit, the Spirit is making us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, a ministry that involves serving the bodies that do not yet recognize that they belong at the table too. And so the question stands, who do you belong to? Is it to your own best thoughts and arguments? Is it your gut feelings and the emotions of the moment? Or will you belong to those with whom you break bread and let it reveal something greater? Can you accept that you have been saved? Not by your highest thoughts. Not by your deepest and most sincere passion? But you have been saved by the body of Christ broken for you and if you can't accept that then how will you believe in your neighbor can you believe that God is using them to continue saving you because then you might really recognize them for the very first time And you just might see the body of Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.